Hi, listeners. It's me, John. Al wanted me to put a quick disclaimer before this. So Al suffers from a neurological condition that can affect their voice. And there are parts of this episode where their voice might sound a little bit different than others. So we just wanted to point that out before you listened. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Hello. 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 <laughs> I'm John. And I'm Al. And this is The, the Convenience, Convenience Store. Store. We have milk on Fountain Tap. Sick. We have cold nacho cheese. Ice cold. Congealed. Ooh, congealed. We have it. We have it next to the milk fountain. Right next to the milk fountain. We call it the dairy station. Oh, God. The dairy station. We call it dare to dairy. Oh, God. That was (laughs) Dare to dairy. Yes. (laughs) So how was your week, Al? Uh, Pretty... Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say great. You would, I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say great. I had a therapy appointment today. Which is great. Which is great. Which was much needed. Yeah, so it was your first therapy back, right? Yeah, in like nine months. Which was just, you know, really needed. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, I hadn't even had a therapy appointment since the election. <laughs> Oh, God, I feel like I needed 20. Right? And yet here I was just, you know, pushing through. Yeah, you were just like balls to the walls in it. Yep, yep, because that's what you do when you got BPD in your backslide. <laughs> oh, my God. Your balls to the walls. In. <laughs> that's what they say. So I've heard. Well, uh, I can relate. I mean, this week has been kind of meh, right? Mm-hmm. Just feel like I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Just a little tired. Oh, I got vaccinated. Or did I talk about that on last week's episode? (laughs) Yeah, we talked about that last week. Oh. (laughs) But it bears repeating. We got vaccinated and you should too. Yes, you should. Yeah, I know. It's so weird though. We just don't have very much to talk about sometimes because we're still in a pandemic. Right. And there's just not much going on. Um, uh, Greg came over last weekend and I had a great time. Oh, I, I love watched that. a couple of really good movies that were very lunchy in. Oh, yeah. You were telling me about how you have been going through like the the Oscar sort of contender movies. I've watched all of the best picture nominations now. Wow. That is insane, Al. Yep. I've watched all of them now. Um, and your top uh, three found... are and your top three are. Oh, um, I would have to look at a list, but uh, Minari. Minari. Heard um, great things. Nomadland. Ooh. And maybe Sound of Metal. Oh, you loved Sound of Metal, didn't you? I did love Sound of Metal. I loved the way the sound design was used in it to show the way he went deaf. Like, I found that very Lynchian in the sound design. Like, the way the care was taken with it. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything, like, just the amount of care taken with, like, really paying attention to the detail of the little sounds and all of the little details of all the sounds. I also found um, the movie The Father to be very um, Lynchian. It was uh, a movie about an older man uh, going, uh, losing his mind from dementia. Oh, that's 
That's really sad. Anthony Hopkins played him. And Ooh. Olivia Coleman played his daughter, but um, when he didn't know who she was, she would be played by a different actress. So you never knew what was real and what wasn't. Oh, that so is it was very, very lynching uh, in that regard, I thought. Yeah, that does sound like lynch. Um, well, I've, I've watched Alan V. Farrow. Oh, yeah? I've seen uh, everything but the last episode. Hmm. Well, I mean, it was interesting. It was you know really unsettling you know as it was going to be oh yeah but i mean as someone who has kind of followed it for the past you know i guess since since um i guess the early 2010s is when i really started discovering more about it because my parents never really let let us watch i wouldn't say let us watch we just never watched woody allen movies because they didn't trust him and i thank them for that i and i understand why yeah and so I never got into him and I'm really grateful because I know a lot of people have, which she talked about in the documentary, including his daughter talks about it too, but it's like, they talked about how certain people have like identifiers of their personality or their history with Woody Allen movies and stuff like that. And it's like, thank God I don't have that. Yeah. I remember when I first saw Annie Hall when I was a teenager and I was like, I don't get it. I don't get the big deal around this. Like Annie Hall seems like I was like, this seems like it was blatantly written by a man about a fantasy of a woman. You know what? Like, I, I remember thinking yeah. that when I was a teenager when I saw it. Yeah. And that's, I, I, you know, I think that about a lot of male directors and I, and I have for a long time. I mean, like even my, some of my favorite shows like Desperate Housewives, I mean, that was directed in, mostly written by men and so it's like you know even if they're gay men it's like they don't really know uh you know a cis woman's experience so it's one of those things where it's like you have to really suss out what you're viewing take in what you're viewing through the lens of the person who is making it so that you can really make an adequate you know critique of what you're watching oh yeah exactly exactly and you have to like really really kind of research the director a little bit almost when you watch a new movie i really need to get better about that because i want to understand what i'm like who whose perspective i'm viewing from yeah i need to get better about that too but that's something i've always enjoyed though too is knowing uh about the director like you know like i introduced you to lynch because i'm a fan of lynch and his work as a director you know yeah i think it's important i think it's important to know about that because you know, sometimes when I hear actors, specifically, you know, like cis female actors talk about, um, you know, this person writes such great female characters or this person writes such great gay characters or, you know, trans characters or whatever. And it's like, do they write great characters? Do they know that experience? Like, what is like, I, yeah. don't, I don't quite I don't think it's impossible for a man a cis man to write a good cis female character but i also no. think that there are going to be flaws there will be there always will be right and it's and then i then i think that's where maybe the actor could step in and collaborate and that's why i like collaborative tv shows collaborative movies i think they're really they kind of sess out the holes in the script <laughs> I would like to say about the director thing, um, this year has a very uh, diverse lineup of best directors for the Oscars. We have uh, two women and two Asian people. Which I'm thrilled about because the Oscars is, you know what, we prop up these, these, these um, 
organizations that do these award ceremonies and like every year I know people are like what the fuck is going on with these organizations and then every year we all come back yeah every year every year I come back like clockwork (laughs) yeah so I don't know what the answer is there because there are some good movies that are that that are being chosen but I know a huge part of it is just like political and and um you know based in misogyny and racism and a whole bunch of other things and it's like oh, another movie i forgot that i love judas and the black messiah i can't believe i forgot that one. Oh yeah i've heard great things about that love that one good to know i haven't seen any of them l i haven't seen any of them well you should i'm so far behind i'm sorry I just... my voice is off this evening Oh, you're fine. I, I'm sorry. I'm just so behind because all I've been doing is watching Real Housewives of Dallas. <laughs> so while you're watching, you know, really intellectual things, I'm watching people fight about whether or not somebody took a shot at a party. Intellectual things. I mean, Real Housewives of Dallas can be very intellectual. It can. It can. You know, they are very smart women. They knew what they were doing when they got themselves on there. They knew their business. They know their business. They know their brands. So they know their brands. <laughs> oh my God. Such a cluster. All right. Ready to dig in, Al? I am. Oh my gosh. Well, we are on part six. Can you believe? I know, right? Part six. And I've got to say, this episode, after I was coming off of a high of, of part five, and this one was a lot more exposition so we might fly through some of these parts but um, I think it's going to set up a lot of stuff for future episodes oh yeah so it opens on Dougie messing with his suit next to that statue of the law enforcement officer which he's still obsessed with Mm -hmm. still obsessed with and the security guard tells him to leave but then is like incredibly kind and caring so nice and Dougie tries to touch his badge because he immediately recognizes, like, ooh, badge. Yes, ooh, badge. And takes him to Naomi Watts, who I will never refer to as her character name. I'm going to just say that out loud. I will only refer to her as Naomi Watts. So, <sighs> and Naomi Watts, this was actually a shining episode for her, I feel. Um, oh, yeah. Sh- she, you know, she greets the, the, the police that drop him off at the door and... She's, like, really glad to see him. But there's, like, such a chaotic energy in this character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just trying to hold everything together. And nothing is sort of making sense or aligning. And she's sort of having to make sense of everything. And that's so stressful. So stressful. And so Dougie comes inside. And she sits down. uh, She sits down with him. And... She has the delicious him, sandwich. The delicious sandwich. That's the food, right? The food moment where we have more delicious food that looks great and is to me a sign that there's sort of comfort there. Yeah, comfort in the food. Yes. And then Naomi tells him to go upstairs and say goodnight to the kid. And so there's this really cute scene where he's sitting on the edge of, you know, his bed and they're both clapping back and forth to turn the light on and off. And it I it was just it was kind of an adorable bonding moment. Completely adorable bonding moment. Totally, totally heartfelt. That was then interrupted by Naomi Watts screaming from downstairs because she opened the package that was at the front door and there was a picture of Dougie and Jade. 
Yes, Dougie and Jade. Jade give two rides. I bet she does. Yeah, I bet. I'll bet she did. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, is this what we're fighting about? He obviously doesn't know his name. Uh, so, but she then kind of like, she gets a call immediately after that from the blackmailers. And she agrees to meet them instead of Dougie. And which I was like, thank God, she she understands Dougie's having a quote unquote episode. Um, but then she kind of like gets to this forgiving moment of him, almost like he has these random relapses and she's sort of like, it's okay. And then gives him a kiss on his head, which I thought was an interesting point. Yeah. That like, she's used to this and she mentioned calling Dr. Ben, which implies that he has had these episodes before and he has a doctor that he usually walks through with him. Hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't catch that part. I didn't write that down. That's really interesting because all of these things indicate that Dougie pre or pre Cooper being inside of him also probably had these moments where he didn't know who he was. Exactly. Yeah. But then Naomi leaves and Dougie kind of zones out for a bit and then sees Mike in the floor, which is... But his... before that, they had they zoomed in on a traffic light and we heard electricity crackling at the traffic light, which has got to mean something. Well, which has got to indicate probably that he's going to have a spiritual encounter or the spirits are around. Well, and that traffic light is in Twin Peaks. I just wanted to say. Oh, I didn't realize that was before Mike. Yeah, that was before Mike. Okay. Well, I, I and Mike really... tried to wake Dougie up, telling him, "Don't die, don't die." Right. Wake up, wake up. And of course, he did it. There's and really you were nothing. like, "I'm so sick of these little things with Mike. He's so fucking stupid." <laughs> yeah, I just, I just hate it because it doesn't, it doesn't move the plot forward at all. It just seems like a, it just seems like a, him reaching out again and failing. And it's just like I get it. He's got to try to do that, but. It's not working. Yeah, his wake up really worked well. His wake up, wake up, let me wave my arm. Wake up, wake up. <laughs> it's like Dougie doesn't know who you are, dude. So after the the mic situation, that kind of is an indicator that the spirits are sort of with Dougie, I guess. And he starts to go through those files that were handed to him by his boss. Yes. And he starts to see little lights appearing all over the pages. Yes, yes. And he's seeing the lights all over the pages and starts drawing on them. Yeah, he starts drawing on them, like, random pictures and, and like, almost childish. Pages and ladders. Yeah, sort of, like, connecting things. And I was so angry. I was like, it's telling you to circle things and you're not circling them. Like, I was so mad when I was watching it. I was like, you're such a stupid idiot. I was so mad at Dougie. I had beef <laughs> with you this episode. Yeah, you were pissed. You were like, Dougie, fucking come on. Yeah, I was just like, this is so exhausting. This is this was an exhausting episode to to watch Dougie. It was. It was an exhausting Dougie episode. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. But he then the drawings, you know, he keeps drawing, he draws on every single one. And then are we ready for the next scene? Yeah. Okay, so the next scene is Albert driving in the rainy cold night, and he's talking on the phone to Gordon. Who is clearly with a woman, I might add. Which, go you. <laughs> go you, dude. And he's he's driving, the, and then he says, did he say, fuck Gene Kelly? Yeah, when he got out of the car, he was like, fuck Gene Kelly, you motherfucker, when he was in the rain. 
<laughs> That's kind of funny. I liked that. And then he walks in, and who does he see? Diane, and it's Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Okay, Laura Dern is an icon. She is the moment. Literally an icon. Now, come on now. She's the moment. She has been having a moment for several years, and I love it, and I don't want it to end ever. Decades, really. Decades. Decades. But no, she really has been having a moment these last several years. Yes. She's definitely at the forefront of culture right now. Oh, for sure. I just love that she was in this. The wig she was wearing was (laughs) questionable. I love it. I love her Diane hair. Well, that just makes one of us then. (laughs) I just didn't, I didn't picture Diane having a wig like that. Well, that's the point. It's Lynch. He's just turning it on you. Exactly. Nothing's what you want it to be or what you think it is. Exactly. You didn't picture Diane as Laura Dern either. No, but I actually can see it being Laura Dern. That's fair. Like I can see, I like I go looking back. I can now picture Laura Dern on the other side of the tape recorder, and I'm I'm into it. I'm living, living for it. Yeah, I'm living for it. Yeah, once I found that out when I went back and rewatched the original, I was like, okay, okay, knowing Laura Dern's on the other side of this, okay. <laughs> That's a good point. So the next scene, if we're ready for it, yep. So then we have the I, what I wrote down the scene as dudes in a room. <laughs> and it's, dudes in a room. Dudes in a room. And it's like this one sort of like mobster guy. And he's got like this dude behind him with this huge gun in the background. And then we have Angles, Angles guy, Richard. Yep, Richard Angles, man. Who's talking to him. And the mobster guy is talking about Sparkle. And the coming. mobster guy is the same guy that was making creepy handguns at Shelly in the bar and making eyes at Shelly in the bar. Yes, that was that connection. Yes, that was that connection. So it, they're all kind of, well, besides the guy in the background, they've both of them have been in previous episodes kind of indicating that they were kind of skeezy. Indeed, like, indeed. Not, not great. And so uh, the main monster guy is talking about Sparkle coming in from Canada. So that's when the first time we hear the word Sparkle come into play. Yep, yep. But we've seen Sparkle and what it does to people. Yeah, with Steven. And also I should correct myself because Sparkle is a Diana Ross song, not a Diana Ross movie. So my entirely my bad Um, from the last episode. I wanted to correct that. But, uh, yeah, so in this situation, he does some sparkle and it, like, immediately hits him. And... Uh, oh, the, sends him through the roof. Sends him, Yeah, sends him through the roof. And then there's, like, a series of, like, weird threats from the main gun shooter guy. And then he flips a dime. Yeah, the dime trick. The fucking dime trick. Flips a dime. It ends up in Richard's mouth. And yep. then he catches it in his hand and it's no longer in Richard's mouth. So weird. So fucking weird. Very Twin Peaks. Very Twin Peaks. But Richard's pissed at this point. He doesn't care where the dime is because that guy called him a kid. He called him a kid and he's high on sparkle. Yeah, so how dare he? How dare he call him a kid when he's high on sparkle, damn it. I know. I hate it when that happens. Well, <laughs> right. I hate it when I get called a kid when I'm high on sparkle and I'm clearly not a kid. I'm a, I'm a young adult. I'm a young man. Damn it. Oh God, being a teenager, I do not miss those years. 
do not, <laughs> do not miss those years where I was like, I want to be an adult. I am an adult. I'm not a kid. I do. I miss them. <sighs> not my journey. Well, I was, yeah, you were braver than I was. You came out of the closet. And That's true. We're able to like live, <laughs> live That's your true, true. self. <laughs> but um so then the next if we're ready for him the next like four different like sort of scenic times are happening with within the same time of each other yeah so and we have carl the real mvp of the show who the good he was the guy that owned the trailer park in a uh, firewalk with me yes that's right so carl carl is in there we have conversations with carl carl the real mvp of twin peaks the real as you're gonna say it again it bears repeating the real mvp of twin peaks yes carl the real hero we um see richard driving really angrily and he's like you call me a kid i'm not a kid and then it cuts to carl having conversations and then and I'm Carl still... sounds like my grandmother when he's like, I've been smoking every day for 20 for, for 75 years. He sounds just like my grandmother. <laughs> he sounds like my he sounds like a lot of people I know. Right. And then Heidi the Laugher still working at the double R. I'm OK. Yeah. So then, yeah, that, that that's the next part is that they go to the diner and then Heidi the Laugher is talking to Miriam this woman who's like sort of dressed like a school teacher yeah basically well i mean i wouldn't say school teacher i would say like she is a school teacher it sounds like well then school teacher yeah because she was talking about that as she so they're talking to each other and and heidi's just giggle 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 and then miriam apparently is a huge fan of the pie which makes me a fan of miriam because i'm a fan of pie and oh fuck yeah and then we keep cutting back to Richard driving Carl and then And the you diner. were so stressed. You were so stressed. It was very stressful. It was because I knew someone was going to die. Like you just knew. You like knew it's, something was going to happen. Yes. Someone was going to die. Someone was going to get hit by the car. And I didn't know who it was until I saw the kid running away from his mom. And then I instantly, this is before you even mentioned it after it happened, but I instantly remembered you being like, I wouldn't be so sure when I thought David was gonna, wasn't was going to kill that kid before. Yeah. In the other episode. I was like, David wouldn't kill that kid. And you're like, I wouldn't be so sure of that. I immediately thought, oh God, that kid's going to die. Yep. I think I said that kid's going to die. Yep. And then what do you know? Then what do you know that that he gets hit now i will say that was absolutely devastating i thought the woman who played his mother what did a great job of you know presenting grief but everybody around like honestly i think i would have thrown up if i had watched that happen oh i would have i would have definitely thrown up like i'm just shocked there wasn't more of a visceral reaction from the people surrounding i think there was a sense of shock maybe yeah I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I don't. I wouldn't quite know. Yeah, we wouldn't really know. And um, Richard, uh, kill, he um, when he drove by, Miriam saw him. Miriam locked eyes with him. Right. So now he's he's been seen at the at the crime. Yeah, by Miriam. Oh, and then there was kind of this sweet kind of emotional moment where I like got a little emotional when the boy's sort of golden spirit left his body. Yeah, and Carl saw it. 
Yeah, and then the electricity sounds happened. Yeah, and um, Carl came over and Carl, like, comforted them. And they really focused a lot on Carl, I think, because they really want to hone in that Carl is a good person. And Carl is who we should strive to be like. I think I really want to drive that home, that, like, Carl is a good person. Yeah. Well, and he's a good person versus a bad person, like the juxtaposition between Carl and Richard. Yeah. And he could see, he could see the the spirit. Yeah. He could see it, which is something that normal people can't. Yeah. Really, really sad scene. Oh, for sure. And then, so I was a little discombobulated or something after this, but I have, I have the next scene being at an office right yeah duncan todd duncan todd and the guy pulls out a folder yep and then there's a black dot on the folder yep and he's afraid as always right and so what does that mean well we'll see because that's the uh folder he slipped to ike the spike right oh that is the folder he slips to ike the spike yep Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 But before that scene, before Spike, before Spike's scene, we see Dougie's burnt car being collected by police, and of course, yeah. we see the, the mom from across the way saying one one nine still. Yeah, and they scrape his plate off the roof. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of an unsettling reminder. Yeah. Of what happened there, and then we cut to Spike, and we see what's really going on there, and he has two pictures. And the song, um, I like the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a good man. I'm a good man. I looked it up. It's a song called I Am by Blunted Beats. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I love that you caught on to that, because that, I remember that song being, like, a, sort of, like, an uplifting, fun song and for something so creepy. <laughs> but he then stabs both pictures. Yep. And it's quite clear to me. I wrote down, well, he's obviously pissed, is what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> gonna take so, him out. Yeah, gonna take him out. Uh, and then, of course, we cut to Dougie being Dougie in the elevator. Yep, not following till he gets his coffee. Not following till he gets his coffee, and then just staring and smiling. Oh, boy. But then he gets called into the office with his boss, whose name is, again... Bushnell Mullins. Bushnell Mullins. That's a really iconic name, so I want to make sure I say that. But Bushnell Mullins, who's so angry with him because he opens up those files and he just sees drawings. And because Dougie only repeats things, he was like, how am I supposed to figure this out? And he was like, figure it out. And I was like, that actually really works as a point of dialogue. Um, and then, <laughs> it, actually, and it actually makes sense. It actually makes sense. And then what does he do? He figures it out. He does. He fucking figures it out somehow. He deciphers the scribbles. I never understood that. Me either. But he deciphers the scribbles and he thanks Dougie and is like, you know, I need you around more often or something. And I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? And he's like, we need to keep this between the two of us. This is really disturbing information. Yeah. And then I was like, Dougie, what the fuck? Well, I mean, I guess the, the lodge was helping him out, but I was just like, I just was agitated that Dougie was being rewarded for this childish writing. (laughs) I know I had beef with Dougie all episode. I will let that go into the universe of Twin Peaks. I will let it go. Let it go. Let it go, John. Let it go. Because the next scene is Naomi Watts in the park. 
Yep, giving with, her epic speech. With the red purse. Oh, yeah, this speech was, she was letting them have it. This is when I was like, okay, I feel like this is why Naomi Watts got this role. I feel like this was like the monologue that that David Lynch was like, here, Naomi, I know you've been in a movie with me. I really like you. I want you to try this monologue out. And she just ate that shit. She was like, I oh, this monologue is mine. Right. She owned it. She yeah. owned this scene. Owned yes. it. She was like, she was like, listen, I am the 99% of this fucking country. And let me tell you something. Any bank would be so lucky to have 25%. And that's exactly what I'm going to give you. So we are giving you $25,000 and you better take that. And I better not see your face again, you losers. And then walks away. I was like, oh my God. Right. Yeah. Slow clap, slow clap for Naomi Watts, because that was a very... That was that was what will I will note as one of my peaks later. I'm sure. Oh yeah, that of was the episode. My peak. Oh yeah, I mean she just she was so good. I thought that was Naomi Watts at one of her best moments. Oh yeah. And then she goes and gets in the car, and they're like, "What do they say? Tough broad." <laughs> yeah, they were like tough dame. <laughs> tough dame, and I was like, that seems very David Lynch to me. It it's does. Like, harking back to like a different era of film and TV with that expression. It's It's just like connecting the two generations of film. Yeah, it was just, it seemed very, very fitting. True, true. And then the next scene where we were back with Spike and it's not pretty. It is. No, no. He he spikes um, the woman who failed to kill Dougie. Yes, the woman who was freaking out on the phone, if I'm correct. Am I right? Yep. That was one who was freaking out on the phone. It's like, I have to have this done. He stabs her, and then another woman sees him stab her, and he goes and stabs her. Mm-hmm. It's just like, whoa. And, and then it's so graphic. upset that the spike has been. So upset. He's like, yeah, it, oh. Wasn't it graphic? Yeah, it was graphic as hell. Ugh, gave me heebie-jeebies. So we go to Richard, who's wiping his car. Tell me more yes. about that, because I don't think I have that written down. Richard was wiping his car off. Uh, he was wiping the blood off his car, and there was electricity crackling around him while he did it. Oh, my gosh. I must have been taking notes from uh, the spike scene. So I missed that part. But that's really cool, because it looks like the spirits are watching him, or the spirits are involved with him, maybe. Yeah, somehow. In some way, which which kind of goes with what I said earlier that I thought that he his behavior was very Bob like. Yeah, and that and I told you to remember that. Yes, so I I did remember that. So I'm glad you brought that scene up because I completely did not have that down. Um, but then then we go to Hawk in the bathroom. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so we're at Hawk in the bathroom, and he start he starts to see something that he didn't see before, and it he was drops a, he drops a nickel. Drops a nickel and he turns actually, and he turns around and he sees Nez Purse manufacturing. manufacturing. Nez Purse manufacturing, and Which so he I starts... love that that's the way it was connected to his heritage and not some weird like um, ancient Indian, you know, mythology type thing. Like yeah, that I... it was just simple and straightforward. Like, oh, you're Nez Purse, and this is the name of the manufacturing company, and that's how it's related to your heritage. I love that. I love that so much. 
it was a great way to, to introduce that. And then he sort of like starts going on a thing because he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, he sees that there's some things missing from the door and he's going to pry it open because he thinks there might be something underneath it. Yeah. And then what's his name walks in? What's his name? Chad. Chad, Chad comes in and is like, oh, I'm going to tell the sheriff you're doing that. And he's like, you do that, dude. Yeah. You fucking tell the sheriff, Chad. Fucking go right ahead. I just love that everybody kind of hates Chad. Everybody. Like, because how Chad's did Chad a dick. get that job? That's what I want to know. How did Chad end up working there? Right, because Chad is a dick. Right? He does not fit in. Does not fit in. <sighs> so then he finds notes in between the door. Yes. What do you think those are? I mean, my guess is that they're Cooper's notes. Oh, interesting. Because they're missing, they're missing something from the Cooper investigation. So my guess is that they... Yeah, that's my guess. I think they're Cooper's notes. All right. They are the missing pieces, as some might say. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, ho, ho, ho. So when we go back to the, sh- to the like, sheriff's office area, and there's they're kind of all kind of hanging out there working, and the sheriff's wife storms in. Yeah, being as angry as ever. Being as angry as ever. But then we get some sort of backstory on that, because... Chad's being a dick again. Surprise. And he's like, I would never take that from somebody. And I was like, yes, because you don't have anybody, babe. Right. And you never will. And you never will, Chad. And then um, I don't know her name, but whoever's running the main op board. Yeah, I don't know her name either. She was like, do you even know what this is like? Like, she didn't used to be like this. They lost their son. He committed suicide. Yeah, and then Chad's like, yeah, he couldn't take being a soldier. Yeah, the worst. Chad is the worst. worst fucking person. Oh my god. So frustrating. But that's... Is there another scene? Because that's pretty much the end of the episode. Yeah, and then it cuts to the ending song, which is Tarifa by Sharon Von Eaton. Which I enjoyed. Which is a good song. Yeah, I liked I liked this one, and I know I have a friend who listens to to us, and his name is Greg, and he likes the music of Twin Peaks a lot, and he, um, I think he might even have a playlist of it. Oh, nice! But this one was a was a good one for me. I really really enjoyed this one. This was a good one for me too. Okay, Al. So let's do our um, pits and peaks of this episode, shall we? All right. So I want you to go first with your pits, if you have any pits. Okay. Um, I guess my pit would have been the amount of time we had to watch Dougie scribble on the papers. <laughs> it was about as long as those uh, Dr. Jacoby scenes. I don't mind those. I know, but it was like just as long as that. And we just had to watch him scribble. Right. And scribble, it just kind of drove me a little crazy. That's fair. Well, my... I would say my pit was how much we had to watch Dougie struggle this episode. It's so much. It was so much. Yeah, there was a lot of struggle. And my pit was also that there wasn't a lot of, like there was stuff that happened, but it wasn't stuff that was related to a lot of things that we've discovered yet or that were left as cliffhangers of the last episode or things like that. So there's a lot of just like middle stuff happening. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's probably my pit because 
for I know every series kind of has to have it, but that's kind of how I felt. That makes sense. Yeah. And your peak? When Janie makes the epic speech. Yes. And um, when Carl uh, goes over and uh, the kid gets hit by the car and Carl goes over and, like, comforts the mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are my uh, peaks. Yeah, and those were great moments. And I think, oh, man, that speech, that speech is going to stay with me, I think, because that was that was one of the best parts of that's one of the best monologues I've seen in a while on this show. Oh, and yeah. then um, I also agree, but my peak is a little bit different. So when Carl goes over, mine is when the the golden light leaves the boy's body and goes up. That was just yeah, such that's a beautiful... part of my peak with Carl going over. It was just such a beautiful moment, and I so thought beautiful. it was a great way to film that sad moment. <laughs> it was a great way to film that sad moment. I thought it was very oh, yeah. touching. And Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Laura Dern is always a peak and always will be a peak, regardless on how much she's on the screen. Yes. Laura Dern is a peak of a peak of a peak. Mm-hmm. She is the peaks. Laura Dern is Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and you and you, you don't have to uh, copyright that. Everyone can just take that and run with it. Exactly. All right. Well, did you have any theories based on this episode that popped up? Because I didn't, I don't think I have very many theories. Because I don't, it was all I don't pre- from this episode. Yeah, it was all pretty straightforward, I thought. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's, that's a wrap on this episode. Yeah, I think so. Well, until next time, this has been The Convenience Store, and I'm John. And I'm Al. And we really appreciate you listening to us and listening to us struggle through these scenes and what we think about them and stuff like that. It's been so much fun, especially just being with you, Al. It's been fun hanging out. It's been so much fun. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. If you like what you heard on this podcast, Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends and other Twin Peaks nerds. If you would like to contact us, please email at theconvenienceStorePod at gmail.com. Happy listening!